Hey, everybody, and welcome to the 52-Bit Podcast. My name is Nitha, and this is a podcast where we talk about something either you or I or both of us want to talk about. And this week, we have another guest, and I'm very excited about this one. It's Paul. Hi, Paul. Hey. Yeah. What's up? Hey, Paul, uh, you want to tell the viewers at home a little about yourself? Sure. So I'm Paul, Paul Jackson. I'm married to Jenna Jackson. And uh, I've known Nita for a few years now. We went to school together, did improv together, and saw movies together and had a lot of fun together. And so now I am living in Alabama and doing engineering stuff here and spending all of my free time playing, playing games with friends. That's true. So that's actually what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about uh, tabletop role-playing games that aren't D&D because there are so many and they're so good. There's a lot of them. There's so many. Okay, Paul, how many have you played that aren't D&D? Because I feel like you're one of the people I know who's played a lot of them. Are we going to count like different editions of games as different altogether? And, and sure. I And I will not count D and D different editions. Yeah, no, but um, I do that because I feel like when you get a new edition, it's like different enough. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I've done Pathfinder first edition, mm-hmm. Pathfinder second edition. I've done Fate. I did I did a little bit of Fate gaming. I have done Starfinder, which is kind of like the sequel to Pathfinder. I've done the Star Wars RPG system from Fantasy Flight. And I've done, most recently, I've been doing some Delta Green stuff. That's all really cool. Yeah. I have only played a couple. So I've also played Pathfinder, but I've only played second edition. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts on those. But I've also played Lancer and Dungeon mm-hmm. World. And I almost played in a GURPS campaign, but I like had to nope out of it while we yeah. were in the world. This is awesome, though. Can you? Uh, what's your favorite system you've ever played? Can you tell me a little about? Oh gosh. Okay. Let me let me just say, I, I know that there's there's kind of been a bit of a movement, and, and understandably so, to try to bring more light to non D and D systems, which is of course what we're talking about today. <laughs> if I had to pick a favorite, I would probably still say Five E D and D, just because it is so yeah. uh, universally known and it's easy to find a game mm-hmm. and jump in. But my favorite of the non D and D systems that I've played so far, I've really been having a lot of fun with Delta Green but it'd probably be either Delta Green or maybe Starfinder. I I like both of those a lot. Okay. Can you tell me a little about Delta Green? Because I haven't heard about it like ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, a a lot of the non-D&D systems still kind of fall into a couple of different categories, right? In general, there's like a couple of big ones. You've got your fantasy games that are Mm -hmm. D&D-like. You've got your sci-fi games. You have kind of like a uh and then you kind of have like some genre games here and there like urban fantasy western (laughs) sort of stuff delta green is kind of like if you imagine like the x-files or 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 men in black is probably a little bit more apt okay um so it's set like in relatively modern time like uh some of them can be period pieces being like 1920s or something Mm -hmm. but for example the game that i'm playing in right now is set in 2017 so it's you know it's it's a very Very much more relatable in that like you know what 
life is like. Mm -hmm. um, but the general conceit is still that there are these sort of extra planar Cthulhu-esque sort of entities mm -hmm. that are always kind of like just on the edge of our reality. And the whole conceit of Delta Green is that the world is going to end. Mm -hmm. Like we all know the world is okay. going to end and it's going to end horribly, but you are working to try to just stave that off for just a little bit longer. And what, what I find so interesting about Delta Green is that your characters, there's, there is not really a good ending for your character. That's uh, you are either going to go insane and retire that character or that character is going to die. Those are pretty much the only two endings for a character in Delta Green. Okay, I guess that kind of makes sense since you already said like we're just trying to stave off the end of the universe for a little while longer. But right. like I was imagining maybe you'd retire a character, not go insane and not be able to do anything ever again. I mean, you can retire a character, but if you're if you're like, I'm going to play this character until the completion of their storyline, mm -hmm. that is probably going to be either death or insanity. Okay. Another thing I really like about Delta Green is that it's very specific in its skill checks. Mm -hmm. So when you're specking out your character, you, you do have like a dexterity, a strength, a con, mm -hmm. You, you also have a, well, it's not really a con, you have like a willpower, you have a sanity score, things like that. But for the particular skills, it gets really granular. Like mm -hmm. you could, like you can have, and everything's out of a hundred. So you could have a particular skill that like, say you've got a 45 in accounting or, or, or like a... <laughs> okay. I'm playing a character right now who has, I think it's a, I think it's a 70 in bureaucracy. Super cool. One, one of my uh, co-players is playing a, a doctor that works in a hospital. And so he has a very high science score, but specifically in biology because there you, you break the you can sciences get, like, down as well yeah. yes yes that's really cool i like that it, it's of, also one of my characters also speaks hindi and i'm just waiting for it to come up but it, it hasn't yet so. okay well i'm excited for when that moment comes up and i'm, I'm ready for you to pull out whatever hindi you have in your back pocket to... but, but i was speaking over you so what, what were you about to say I, I'm trying to remember now that I'm, I, uh, Oh no, I'm oh, sorry. No. no, it's okay. I'm trying to think. No. Oh, I was going to say, it sounds like this is so nitty gritty and granular, but it's also like things we actually understand, which is wild to me. Cause it, like you said, it's your campaign specifically is based in 2017. And I guess I'm just so used to skill checks, like not really mattering. Are you like trying to like find a way to weave it in? Like, Oh, this kind of makes sense versus this is like, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. We we're definitely looking at science things right now. Well, I know a lot about biology. Is this biology? Boom. Mm -hmm. Like that sounds really cool that it could actually be that applicable. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, you know, when it comes to the non D and D systems, the ones that mm -hmm. I find myself really enjoying and, and I've had some of some of the people that play with me who, who, dislike them for this particular reason but I, it's one of the reasons i really like them i like when skills get very specific mm -hmm. because then i feel like there's very little chance of of like having to kind of 
kind of make up like why a character is able to do this or know yeah. this or something like that. I, I like there being like a, a, a real mechanic, but I'm a very big mechanics person. I love the mechanics of the games. So like one thing I really like from Pathfinder that is mm-hmm. not in D&D is that you have a culture check. Mm-hmm. You have a diplomacy check. Mm-hmm. Like when you're playing D&D, there are some times where it's like, you know, I, I a lot of people will just kind of substitute history checks mm-hmm. for like culture checks. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know, just in my head, I can't get that to work out because like, I might not know who was the last king of the orcs or whatever. Mm-hmm. That feels like that's covered by history. But like, I would know if orcs like eat with forks and spoons, you know right. what I mean? And that yeah. feels like more of a culture thing. So. Yeah. No, that's that's one of the things I also really like about Pathfinder. I have like in my character, I have like an engineering lore specifically. Yeah. And so like I'll know things about engineering that like nobody else knows. And I'm like, this is really cool because it's not just me being like, hmm, let me look at this thing that might be kind of maybe magical. That might be an arcana check in D&D or like maybe an investigation check. Now it's like that kind of looks engineering. And I specifically have like a plus seven to that. So I'll know all the things about engineering, even though I know absolutely nothing about magic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that a lot, and, and and I feel like it allows for more direct customization mm-hmm. of your characters, like more, uh, more, more unique characters, because mm-hmm. I, I find a lot of times, you know. I hate to say this, but like you play with one bard and you've yeah. kind of played with them all yeah. in D and D, you know, and I don't want to get any hate from like bard lovers out there. There's some like, cool bard subclasses. <laughs> you'll be, you'll be sad to know <laughs> half of this podcast is just all the viewers are it, bards. Is all bards. Yeah. yeah. That's understandable. A bard was my first character. They're yeah. just so versatile, but that versatility kind of comes at the, at the expense of being able to create mm-hmm. someone who is, extremely unique mm-hmm. and i feel like the the more skill heavy systems allow mm-hmm. for that which I'm- yeah yeah and i not to continue bringing up dd <laughs> like we're trying to not talk about it but i think they like tried to fix that with feats almost kind of to like bring on a little yeah. flavor but like it, it's just instead of like trying to bring something in a lot of these systems already have that baked in like that personality right, yeah. so rather than like trying to like i think I think D&D is one of the ones that you can like really bring people in. It's really easy to get people into playing tabletop role-playing games that way. But like once mm-hmm. you've done that, you can like showcase a different system that might work better for people. Right. And, like, is more specific, more like in tune to like picking those quirky things you want to do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about uh, mm-hmm. an, a, another one in particular or, or yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah. So I can talk about, I guess the most specific one I've, I've done so far is Lancer. Lancer is actually a, a big mech a tabletop role-playing game. So it was very exciting to me. Um, Kevin actually loves this one. Kevin Chen. Um, I see him talk about it on Twitter a lot. And, <laughs> and I've seen a lot of people talk about Lancer, but I have not played it myself. Yeah. So it has a lot of like really good lore behind the world that I have not read much into, but my DM has where there are like these corporal states who are like the main people who make the mechs and like people called Lancers are in the mechs and they're like exceptional people. We're all humans, but we're like exceptional and we're able to like fight in these mechs. And 
it, it has like a very different feel to it. I mean, like even at the beginning, because it, it is like futuristic. Yeah. Like mech world. And the combat feels more like it. it is more of the story than like the actual like social encounters, which is right. something very different that I haven't felt before. Like every single combat has a story to it. So rather than being like, oh, I have to do this fight to get to this next part of the story. It's like, this is a part of the story, which is like, kind of turned fighting on my on its head for me yeah i actually hated fighting like any system i played before this i've been like oh fighting is so boring but with lancer i was like oh my god this is so fun and kind of like pathfinder there are like multiple things you can do in a round mm-hmm. um not as many as pathfinder pathfinder has like so many things that they like give you examples of things you can do oh gosh yes so <laughs> but, so path pathfinder 1e especially has like there's so many different types of actions you can take which is something i like about 2e a lot mm-hmm. that that i feel like they improved upon in fact 2e's action economy is one of my yeah. favorite like action economies of any of the systems i've played Mm -hmm. the idea um being that like it's kind of like if you've ever played like divinity original sin or or one of those sort of video games where you kind of have like you have like a a bank of action points Mm -hmm. and doing certain tasks count costs a certain amount of those points so so you're not you're not big uh, combat fan, then you're you're no. more of a role play person. Yeah, I am. But like, even with like Lancer and Pathfinder, I've found ways to like, it's now very fun to do those combat things. Like, yeah. I think my last Pathfinder, like the last Pathfinder fight that I was actually awake for, um, I like, I play an alchemist. So I go down very quickly. Yeah. Um, but the last one I was in, I like with the action economy was able to like jump under a table and try to like, like push the table up into the air to like hit somebody but also like make a distraction and that was like really cool and I like originally was like I can never do these fun things in combat but like with the action economy it feels like I'm able to do these things now yeah yeah that's that's another thing Delta Green is really good about because Delta Green Delta Green is a much more narrative story in fact Mm -hmm. most of what we do when we play Delta Green is like the majority of it's theater of the mind Mm -hmm. couple of like little maps that you can kind of look at just to get an idea of the space or whatever but it's all very theater of the mind and and you can do all those different things like i have done in more than one occasion driven a car into the side of a building as like my action for the turn and it's just it's a blast but i i love combat stuff oh my gosh Mm -hmm. I, i you know from from college you might remember that i loved character yeah. building and stuff like that yes, but <laughs> but and I still love that I, I have a whole bunch of characters that I just got saved on my phone and computer that I've just been like I'll be out and about or I'll be at, at sometimes I'll be at work and it'll mm-hmm. just pop in my head and I'll be like oh this is a great idea for a character let me write this down but when it comes to actually playing the games I get really into the combat and, and the like minutia of like who's going to move where and, and all of that jazz. I guess when you're in combat, are you like kind of the planner of your group? Are you the person who's like, all right, we've, we're in like this order and like maybe like you can do this and I can do this. And oh my God, what can I do that? Or are you more of like the just we're in this order when my turn comes, I'm going to do my thing. You know, I have found that I when I when I'm a player, I do tend to kind of take the lead in a lot of the campaigns like I, I tend to 
play the face. And so that, mm-hmm. and so then that kind of translates into when we're in combat, I kind of call shots there too. Yeah. But I've been trying really hard to move away from that some mm-hmm. in some of my other games that I'm playing. But the truth be told, I don't have a ton of opportunities to do that because more often than not, I am either the DM or GM that for the is- game. Um, yeah, but but that's fine because I love doing that too. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes, as the GM or the DM, you also have a lot more characters you get to play, <laughs> a lot more moves you get to make during battle. That that's really fun for me. So mm-hmm. nice. So on that note, I've also GM'd not much, but you know, I know you GM a lot. What's your mm-hmm. favorite thing about GMing, or do you have like a favorite thing you like doing? So, gosh, I I, I just. I, I love, no, I don't know. I, I love knowing the story and mm-hmm. just like waiting for them to figure it out. I don't know what it is about that, that like really, really jazzes me up, but mm-hmm. like whenever, and being, being able to kind of twist the story to like mm-hmm. fit like weird dramatic ironies or whatever mm-hmm. that I can kind of wedge in there. For example, again, not to keep going back to D, but that's kind of my main one i'm running right now that's fair, that's uh, fair. i'm running a i'm running a curse of strahd campaign mm-hmm. and one of my players uh brett brammer who, who you also know uh he came up with this character who has an issue with their brother okay. has like a strained relationship with their brother mm-hmm. and when they first saw met strahd uh, Strahd has this ability to kind of charm someone and make them think that they're best friends. And uh, Brett's character was the first character who kind of like rushed up at Strahd. And so Strahd was able to twist him to think that they were best friends. Oh, man. Mild, mild, mild spoiler for Curse of Strahd here. Very mild. Spoilers. Strahd also has brother issues. <laughs> so later, later on in the campaign... Brett did a really good job at playing up like how disgusted his character was with himself mm-hmm. after he got out of that like trance because mm-hmm. uh, he couldn't believe that he was friends with Strahd. How could he possibly be friends with someone? He doesn't have anything in common with Strahd. And then later in the game, when it's revealed that Strahd also had a, again, spoiler, bad relationship with his brother. It was just so delicious. And I sat on that for weeks. I was like, oh, I cannot wait to bring this up. So it was just uh, th- those sort of moments for me are so, like the best part of DMing. That is amazing. Yeah, I love the look on a player's face when they're like, oh my God, what did I just step into? And you've known the whole time. You've been oh, like, yeah. I'm waiting. I'm so excited for you to figure this out. Yes, exactly. yes, so much. Wow. So. So, so to kind of go back to a little bit about the like sci-fi systems. So, mm-hmm. so you've, you've, so you've played Lance or have you done anything else with any other sci-fi sort of stuff? No, not with any other. I've read a couple things, but not like I've read stars without numbers, but like, I've never played in another system. That is sci-fi. Yeah. Are you, are you a fan of sci-fi in general? I am usually. Yeah. 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 You, so I, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I like Starfinder, but okay. the, the big issue with and Starfinder, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, is a, a kind of like a sequel to Pathfinder. It's set in the same universe, but like millennia in the future. Okay. And there's a lot of really fun lore there, but if you're interested, you can look it up. I won't bore anyone. But the thing with Starfinder, and I've tried to get some other people into Starfinder, 
but especially at early levels, but kind of throughout the whole system, it is extremely punishing. It is very punishing, but boy, is it fun. It's so much fun. I love being in outer space. I love being able to play an alien race or an android or mm-hmm. something like that. And and having the starship combat, which a lot of people think is an absolute pain because it kind of is, but it's also so much fun. It's great. That sounds great. really cool. When you say starship combat, is it like one starship against another? Like you're piloting an actual ship and you're. Yeah, fighting. yeah, yeah. So, so That's just so like cool. you, just like you create a character sheet mm-hmm. or you have a character sheet and everyone creates their own characters the group will often have a starship sheet that Mm -hmm. they kind of manage together. Mm -hmm. And it is basically a character sheet for your starship. And you you can deck out your starship as you level up. You'll gain more points that you can spend on your starship Mm -hmm. to get things like a better warp drive or better targeting computers or increased shields, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And during a fight, everybody kind of assumes a role on the ship. So you have Mm -hmm. like the pilot, the captain, the engineer, the science officer, all that sort of stuff. And you kind of act in phases, right? Mm -hmm. And and so it's cool because there's whole sections in the rule book that just talk about like movement in a starship because you're Mm -hmm. dealing with like, you know, three-dimensional space as well. So there's, there's like different rules for trying to do like a flip and burn or trying to just do like a drive-by or fly-by shooting or Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I love it. I think it's really cool. Another system I've played that has starship combat, but I didn't really get to get too far into it is the Star Wars RPG. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of different Star Wars RPGs. I've played Fantasy Flight's Edge of the Empire. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about a game with a lot of lore? (laughs) Star Wars. <laughs> so, fair. This is a fair point. <laughs> but um, but that 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 system's also a delight from what mm-hmm. little bit I've played before. Nice. Yeah, I was looking into that one and I like hesitated just because Star Wars does have so much lore, including like stuff they've decanonized. And I was like, I don't know if I want to dig into all of this, but with your words, I might actually start looking into it because it looked it did look fun. Yeah, well, it. yeah. Well, what's cool about it is <laughs> particularly the fantasy flight. Star Wars RPGs because okay. I think there's other non-fantasy flight Star Wars RPGs mm-hmm. but I haven't played any of them but the uh, the fantasy flight ones they've kind of separated into three different sections mm-hmm. so you have the one that I've played which is Edge of the Empire and it's all about like you live right on the edge of yeah. the of the, of the galactic empire, empire. so it's you're like closed. on those you're on like those rim planets like Tatooine and stuff mm-hmm. like that and and you kind of play as like smugglers bounty hunters droids things like that mm-hmm. then you have oh gosh what is it i i forget what the other two are called i'm sorry don't shoot me i haven't played them but yeah. one one of them is a uh, it is all about the jedi And Mm so everyone plays as a Jedi type character uh, and go through like Jedi missions. And then the other one is something about rebels uh, and and you're playing as the rebels, the rebels fighting against the empire. So um, the one that really jumped out to me that I was very interested in was the edge of the empire. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of being like, smugglers and and, Mm -hmm. and thieves and stuff living right on the edge and you still get to do some fighting with stormtroopers and Mm -hmm. uh go up against like the hut and stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's fun it's fun 
Awesome. Yeah, I might look into that. I one of my old roommates really loves Star Wars, so I might try to get her into a tabletop role playing game. And I think this would be this would be one I could sink her into pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Is there anything else you would like to talk about in relation to tabletop role playing games? Any? Oh, geez. You know, um, forever. I I really could. Um, there there's another uh, system that I'm very mm-hmm. excited to dig into. It is an urban fantasy system. There's another system, Nita, that I'm actually very excited to play. Okay. That okay. I backed it. I backed the second edition of it on Kickstarter, yeah. oh and I'm waiting for that to get here. I think the like physical copy of the book and stuff mm-hmm. like that will get here around like November or December. Fun. Uh, it's called Urban Shadows. It is a uh, it's an urban fantasy game where basically like you you're it's set like in Los Angeles or Chicago or Detroit you know a big city city, like that big city yeah uh and there's kind of like this seedy underbelly so -hmm. it's kind of like a it's kind of like a gang wars type sort of system yeah but but like the different factions are vampires zombies ghosts you know things like that uh and I am so excited to dig into second edition they've Mm -hmm. already got like a basic rule set that you can download and play online but i'm really Mm -hmm. waiting until i can get that like physical book in my hand so Mm -hmm. i can really like dig into it yeah i love i looked up the kickstarter and like there's like this really nice like they're all of their graphics are so pretty but like just in italics is leather sweat blood need fear (laughs) It's just, yes. it sets the mood so well. Oh it God. really does. And I'm, I'm super excited to <laughs> dig into it. And I think, I think you can still back. I think they've got like a late backers or something like that, that you can sign on yeah, to. Yeah, there's a late um, pledge. Yeah. So if you're interested in that, if anyone's interested in that, That's definitely true. check that out. I've listened to a little bit of, of people mm-hmm. role, uh, doing some role play with the Urban Shadow system. And uh, it just sounds like a ton of fun. And mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to, to really dip into that. Nice. I might actually, Paul, I think you got me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Paul, how can you do this? <laughs> you came on my podcast, get me to spend money on a tabletop role-playing game. Ugh, it has its own pin set. Oh my God. Stop it. Yeah. Stop there's some it. cool, there's some cool stuff on their, on their Kickstarter too. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, everyone go look at that or any other tabletop role-playing game you want to look at. Cause that looks really cool. Well, I think, I think I think that's it for our main topic, unless you have anything else. Uh, no, I'll, I'll stop there. Okay. <laughs> well, you're always more than welcome. Come. We can do a part two later. I <laughs> we can. I mean, uh, any, anyone can always feel free to to reach out to me on Twitter, and yeah. I'd, I'd be happy to talk. Also more. true. Paul's handle will be in in the description. But Paul, thank you for joining me for the main topic. Do you want to join me for the sidebar also? Yeah, sure. Awesome. Yay. We have two questions from Christina this week. The first one is explain your job in five words. Good luck. Uh, uh, I. One. Work. Two. On. Three. Sky. Four. Things. Five. Five words. Nice. Uh, and I will leave it at that. I work on sky things. That's, that is accurate. I, from what I understand of your job, you do work on sky things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, mine is code document fix break meeting. 
you know, a lot of yeah. that also kind of overlaps, <laughs> yeah. mine, believe it or not. Yeah. But yes, yes, yes. Very similar. Yeah. Awesome. The other question Christina had, which I, I we can go into more than just five words on this one, is uh, your top five favorite comedians slash improvisers. Oh man. Okay. You can put more than five. Uh, I promise. It's let me, okay. Let me think. Okay, because because here's the thing. I'm gonna lump the McElroy brothers into one. Okay. okay. I'm just gonna yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say that as a conglomerate. Right. You've never listened to any of the McElroy McElroy brother content. Fantastic stuff. They're doing fantastic work. Let's see who else. Oh gosh. I don't know. You you name one. Why? Okay. I I love Ali Wong. She's hilarious. Her stand-up is on Netflix if anyone wants to watch it. She especially did she did stand-up while she was pregnant, which just like shout out to her. Amazing. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Right. Oh, Brian Regan. If okay. if you don't if anyone doesn't know who Brian Regan is, I got into Brian Regan when I was in like middle school. And it was because Brian Regan has this he's one of the few like really clean comics that I think is is hysterical I Mm -hmm. love his work check that out Brian Regan great stuff amazing yeah I feel like it's hard to find like in like mainstream comedy a comic who is clean and also funny like I feel like a lot of them tend to tend to either curse or talk about blue topics which is fine Mm -hmm. but it's just Makes it a little hard to suggest it to, you know, children. Yeah, sometimes you just want something to listen to in the van while you're on your church's youth group trip. Yeah. (laughs) Very specific to take you back. Which which is where I learned about (laughs) (laughs) Brian Regan. Awesome. My second would be Hassan Minaj. Uh, Hassan is one of my favorite comedians. Uh, he's just yes. hysterical and so relatable. I'm so mad that his Netflix special got canceled because we were oh. six volumes in. And I was ready for him to just dismantle capitalism in the next one. Just take it down. I, I've seen some interviews with him and he's also fantastic when he's not like doing his stand up stuff when mm-hmm. he's just like talking with oh, it's Great. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Tig Notaro. Mm. Oh my gosh. I love Tig Notaro. If you've never heard her bit about Taylor Dane, it is some of the funniest. It is her Tig has this great delivery style where she's kind of, she kind of does like a dry delivery. um, But somehow there's still so much like life behind it. uh, That is, is very good. Uh, but her bit about Taylor Dane, the 80s musician Taylor Dane, so good. Look it up. You'll be rolling on the floor laughing. Amazing. I'm going to have to listen to that after this, 100%. Uh, my third is Aparna Nuncharla. She is the only person I have listened to thus far who finds a way to sardonically make anxiety funny. Just nice. I was I'm just so shocked every time she'll talk about things that I relate to. And I'm usually like, ha, this is not fun. But she's like, ha, this is not fun. And it's funny. And I'm like, wow, you're right. It is hilarious. We're dying here. Nice. 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 I'm gonna again, I'm gonna put two together here. Okay. Uh yeah. I I love Key and Peel's stuff so much. So good. So good. Mm-hmm. Um uh, they, they've also been doing some great stuff mm-hmm. separate from each other recently. Sure. Um, but my God, their, their, their sketches are the bomb. 
I, I also love Key and Peele. They're not my fourth, but I want you to know, just, I did not realize they were in Toy Story 4 until I was halfway through Toy Story 4. Yes. And they came in and I was like, is that Key and Peele? Like, what is happening? This is a children, like, what are they doing on this, like, winner's board? I don't understand. It was amazing. It was the best part of Toy Story 4, hands down. So good. So my fourth and fifth actually are improvisers, but they're people we know in real life because I was like running out of famous people to pick. Um, <laughs> so I picked Cassidy Russell, who's A kind nice, of famous. Yeah. I love Cassidy. She's so funny. Oh my God. And just her physicality is hilarious to me every time she does anything. Yes, I'm yes. She is hysterical. I, I, I got a lot of really good belly laughs in college <laughs> watching her do do her thing up there so good i'm gonna say ooh, there's like two that are really jumping out at me uh okay. but i'm gonna go with mitch hedberg okay uh may, may he rest in peace he was so funny mm-hmm. and his his comedic style was so formative on me in like middle school and and, and high school. Mm-hmm. If you've never listened to any of Mitch Hedberg's stuff, he did like just one-liners or, or sometimes two-liners, but he would deliver them in such a way that it was, I don't know, there was something about his like whole presence on stage that was very, very lovable. Nice. Very lovable. It's like watching, a, watch, he, he famously had stage fright. And so particularly early in his career, he would wear really dark sunglasses when mm-hmm. he was up on stage. That mm-hmm. way he couldn't see the, and he would like close his eyes. That way he couldn't see the wow. audience because he had stage fright that badly. So it's like when you watch him, it's like watching a shy puppy do, do comedy. And That's it's amazing. so good. It's so good. That's amazing. Oh my God. I, I, I have never thought that that could be a form of comedy, I guess. Cause like every, Every comedian you think about is just up there and out there and they're like, I'm here on the stage. Let's go. Yeah, no, it, it, he was, he's something special. Amazing. My last one is again, a person we know in real life. Uh, and this is because uh, he listens to the podcast. So he'll get our kick out of this. It's Harrison. Hey, Harrison. Hey, Harrison. Uh, I love Harrison. Uh, I love all of our friends comedy. Paul, I love your comedy. But uh, you don't torture any of us in, in whenever we play, we play together, which is, well, you don't torture me. I don't know if you torture other people, but Harrison tortures everybody. Yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been known to torture a, a person or two. I, I will frequently torture Ben Hirsch. He, he's great to torture on stage. Um, yeah. Well, I appreciate you not torturing me because Harrison does all of the time. Never, uh, Anita. Never. I appreciate that. But yay. Did you get five? Did, did we do? Five? I think I got five, but you know okay. what? Just for a good measure, I'll throw yes. out Mike, Mike Berbiglia. Mike Berbiglia, hilarious dude. Amazing. He does a lot of like multimedia humor. So watch some of his specials. They're great. I love Lewis Black. Definitely not one you could listen to on your church youth group trip. And, and he's he's kind of slowed down in recent years, but Lewis Black, so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Nice, Rob, nice. Robin Williams did great stuff, but he was Robin. like always—he was like always on drugs. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, so it is what it is. But yeah. uh, his like manic energy is is it impossible. Is, it's like lightning in a bottle. Yeah, this is very much not replicable, and I'm always fascinated when I watch him. This is great. Well, that is the end of the sidebar. Thank you, Paul, for joining me. Yay! Yay! This was a blast, Nita. If, if you ever want me to come back, just let me know.
Um, I always do. We should plan another one. Um, and this is the customary part where I send you off. Um, I have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you could be any kind of cookie, what kind of cookie would you be and why? Mm, what kind of cookie would I be and why? You know, you, you've asked me this before. I have. And I don't remember what my answer was for okay, you either. then. But you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say those like meringue cookies. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that I do. Just taste like a, like a, like, like a marshmallow sugar. coming yeah. out of Lucky just Charms. Just straight yeah, sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to say those. And I'm going to say it's because, because they're very like, the, at least the ones that like I've seen are all kind of like swirly and they look like a lot of fun. And I yeah. like to imagine that I look like a lot of fun. You, you do. <laughs> so I'm going to go with that. Uh, and they're sugary sweet and they're they really are. bad for you. I, well, okay. I don't think you're bad for people, but you are sugary sweet and you do look like a lot of fun and you are a lot of fun. So, well, that's good. That's sure. good to know. Yeah. Plus. The last thing I'd like to do before continuously thanking you for coming on is this is a bit we started with Greenwell last week. You don't have to do it, but the goal is with everyone who joins me on the podcast, I'm going to encourage you. You should start your own podcast because you've done so well with me so far and you've got your own directional mic. Paul, you're basically there. Hey, well, you know, there actually <laughs> is a podcast that I've been kicking around and I'm trying to get, I'll go ahead and call him out on here too, because he, he's more or less agreed, but we just need okay. to really solidify the concept. Okay. Uh, okay. Ben Hirsch. And I think we're going to try to do a podcast about Frasier um, <laughs> <laughs> because I love Frasier. Um, not, not Kelsey Grammer specifically, but uh, the show and character of Frasier Crane, I think is, is hilarious. And so I would like to do, especially with the Frasier revival that has Ooh. been ordered by Paramount Plus, I would like to do a podcast all about Frasier, where maybe we, we review like a couple of episodes, talk about when it eventually starts back, do like a little bit of a recap every week. I I would love to just have somewhere to talk about Frasier more. <laughs> no, that's fair. You should do it. Ben, Ben, if you're listening, Ben, you have to do this. Ben, do this for Paul. And and, and again, it. to be fair, he has been nothing but accommodating for this. He he, right. he is very into right. it. It's just my first pitch was let's rewatch the entirety of Frasier. <laughs> okay, and, that's maybe a little much. And, and recap an entire season. <laughs> each episode and release monthly episodes until the new oh. season starts and and ben is so on board with doing a fraser podcast with me but he just he just isn't sure if he can get through the a season of fraser a month That's- whereas like i can blast through a season of fraser in like two days i've started re-watching <laughs> fraser already to go ahead and get like back up on the lingo and uh yeah Amazing. I, I really I like fraser literally was gonna ask you i just had to look it up there are 11 seasons of fraser yeah there's 11 seasons of fraser <laughs> man well and see that's that's where the whole idea of like doing doing a recap episode release monthly up until the new season begins because it's going to take like a year oh yeah or so yeah to get that off the ground it's there's 264 episodes paul the further i go in this the more i'm like oh buddy well you know and if you really want to get the entirety of fraser you really have to start at season two of cheers because that's when fraser is introduced oh man and i believe cheers has 
nine or 10 seasons. Yeah, it's long. It's long. So you've got about eight, eight solid years of Frasier just yeah. there that you got to get through. I mean, um, that seems doable. The episodes are only like 20 minutes, right? So like you could definitely. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Exactly. We could oh. easily get through 20, 20 years of television in like, uh, in like no, no time flat. Exactly. hundred yeah, percent. Well, I, you know, even if you don't do that, I hope you both start this podcast because I would love to listen to it. The goal is uh, at the end of the 52-bit podcast, I would love to be listening to all of you doing podcasts and me not doing podcasts any longer. <laughs> well, I would also love for you to be listening to a podcast that, that I do, uh, but I would also like to keep listening to you, but I'm not okay. going to, I'm not going to okay. push that on That's you. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> well, we'll see. we'll see. After 52 weeks, we'll see what happens. But yeah, well, for now, we'll, we'll end this episode here. Thank you so much, Paul, for joining me. Thank you for having me. Amazing. Um, as usual, everyone, this has been the 52-Bit Podcast. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, uh, funny jokes, things you think Paul and Ben should do a podcast about uh, while also watching Frasier, message me at 52 underscore bit podcast or email me at 52bitpodcast at gmail.com. 52 in both of those is numeric. And we will see you all next episode. Have a lovely weekend. Bye.